You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. So it's so great to see you here today. Um, we're just moving right along this morning. And uh, it seemed like there was something else going on today, isn't it? There, Christmas morning. Uh, how many of you kids have already opened up your presents? Anybody? Yeah, I bet some of the younger ones have. Anybody waiting to open up presents? Barb is. All right. The, the, a lot of the adults are waiting to open up presents. Uh, our kids are waiting to open up presents. But uh, sure do appreciate you uh, spending this uh, Christmas morning with us today. And uh, I want to share a passage with you out of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number one, if you would, please. We got in here today. How many people are planners? Uh, not me. I'm not a planner. Uh, I, it just kind of it kind of happens, and I figure it'll all work out. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I'm not much of a planner. But you, did you know God is a planner? God's a big time planner. Uh, and really, Christmas reminds us of the planning nature of God, honestly, because uh, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And this morning, we're going to read when the angel gave the announcement to Mary and Mary's response to that. Uh, but I want you to understand something. It's really important that what we read in the Christmas story, the promise of this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Did you know that? The promise of Christmas goes back to the Garden of Eden. Now, what's, what was it that was significant that happened in the Garden of Eden? The fall of man. Man sinned. And when man sinned, that sin passed down to all of man's descendants. And when you look at the world today, it's not too hard to figure that out. Folks, the problem with the world today is not a lack of education. It's not a lack of money. It's not a lack of any of that. It's sin. That's the problem. Because, uh, man, you, you can educate people and they'll just still be smart devils. Is that not right? <laughs> and, you can, uh, and you can give people money, but that does not solve the problem. Sin is the problem. But here's the thing. Sin was passed down to all men. But in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3.15, God promised that through the seed of woman that he would bring forth the Messiah, the conquering seed that would bruise the serpent's head and that would defeat sin. Now, here's the cool thing about that. What that tells us is, honestly, before man ever sinned, God already had a solution to that sin. So before there was ever a problem, God knew what the solution would be, and he had it planned. And he had what we're going to read today, he had planned. But I want to make this very clear today. God had today planned. You may feel like you're here, you're, here you're by accident or by force. Uh, if, if you're a kid, and it's like, why are we going to church and it's Christmas? Um, but honestly, in all of that, I'm telling you today, you are here because God has a plan for you. Because the greatest story of Christmas, if you don't get anything else, is this. The fact that all of this culminates in the fact that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood there for you. He rose again on the third day so that you might be justified. And today, he is making sure that you are here to hear the message. But you got to make sure you listen. Because in Christ's day, not too many people were prepared. Not too many people were ready to hear that message. And so, and you know what the message they wanted? They were looking for the material blessing of having a physical king on earth. But God said, that may be what you want, but how many of you know this? Not many of us, but sometimes what you think you need isn't what you need. And what you got, you're sometimes concerned with what you want, but God is more concerned about what you need, all right? And he knew that what man needed more than anything 
was salvation. And so uh, let, let's read uh, quickly here this morning in the book of Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26 is where we'll begin. Luke 1 verse 26, the Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city, a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now, I want you to understand a couple of the details as we read this. The first thing I want to point out to you today is that without question, Mary would have been somewhere probably in her mid-teens at this point. That was, very, that was common marrying age, really, up until probably, what, 50 years ago or so, or maybe a little bit more than that. But she was, a, she was just a teenager, all right, when this angel appears to her. And th this is what the angel said. He said, Fear not, but he says in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name... What's his name going to be, Ruby? Jesus. You know what Ruby told me sitting up there by me today? She said that, she told me a lot of things, but one of the things that she told me, uh, she told me that it's Jesus' birthday today. And, and that's right. Thou shalt uh, call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Now, this is really where we're going to pick up mostly with the things I want to point out to you today. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. What, what she's saying right there is, I, here's, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's slave. In other words, Lord, I totally submit myself to you. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. There's something interesting here to say about the humility of Mary because it's interesting too, throughout the rest of the New Testament, Paul, uh, Peter, whoever it may be, any of the great leaders of the New Testament, you know what they all call themselves? The servants of the Lord. But isn't it interesting that Mary was the very first one to own that designation and to say, I'm the bondmaid, I'm the servant of the Lord. But the, the, we, the, they continue on here, and the Bible says in verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believeth, 
for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, all right, this is a song. This is a song. And when you read uh, what she goes on to say here, this isn't a rehearsed song, but this is an outburst of praise. This is an outburst of adoration. It's an outburst of worship. You know, if you study the Christmas story, the, the events surrounding the Christmas story, you can't help but notice the joy, the wonder, and the praise and the worship that naturally follow the joy and wonder of all that's taking place. We, we see that the angels were praising Him. You know, later on in Luke 2, the angels were singing and, 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 and just a, a choir singing out in praise to God. You know, it was pretty common in a Jewish household when a son was born, it was common that the family would gather together and have a big celebration right then because a son was born and they would have a big party. Well, here's a Jewish son, the son of God being born, uh, and there's nobody there to celebrate. So the angels show up, amen, and the shepherds show up and, and they rejoice together. But, but the rejoicing of the angels, I like what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, great is the mystery of godliness. It says that God was manifested in the flesh. Uh, seen of angels. Seen of angels. And when it says seen of angels right there, the idea is that the angels, we would use the word, uh, some of you may, may or may not know, but it's gawking. It's just staring. Have you ever, you ever been someplace and somebody's staring at you and you're just like sitting there and you look? and you see that they're staring at you. And a normal person does like this when they, find, so they realize that you're staring. They go, oh, and they look away, right? But you ever look, oh, and you look away, and you kind of slowly look back in, they're still staring. It's like, what's that, what's that person? They're gawking, all right? They're gawking. They're staring. They're looking. But the angels were gawking. The angels were looking intently. The, the, the idea of the word seen right there is with their eyes wide open. They were seeing the one who created them, the one that they've been worshiping, and now they're all gathered around, can you imagine, looking into gawk and to see him manifest in the flesh. It's just, uh, but but the, the angels were praising and worshiping him. The, the shepherds were worshiping him. Simeon and Anna were praising and worshiping Jesus in the temple. The wise men bow in awe at the incarnation of Christ. And now Elizabeth and Mary join in. And I'm telling you, I believe that you and I, God invites us to join in this praise. He invites us to consider Jesus, to ponder His greatness, to contemplate His grace towards us, to meditate on His great wisdom and power. See, the, the, there's this, this stressing of worship in the New Testament, the worship of God. One of the great things about God is, number one, God deserves our worship. Does anybody believe that? He deserves our worship, but He desires our worship and our praise. Now, one of the great things about worship that I believe is great, because isn't it interesting God says, praise me? And you're like, wow, God, why, why is God so intent on having people praise Him? Is He just up there like this insecure person that wants praise and recognition all the time? It's not about that. Because in recognizing Him and in worshiping in Him, what it does is, listen to this, it helps us to turn our eyes away from our circumstances. It helps us to turn our eyes away from ourselves. It helps us to turn our eyes away from others. And when we behold the majesty and the greatness of our God, folks, it puts everything else into perspective. 
And it's a blessing and a help to us as well. So what he desires most ends up being the biggest blessing to us if we could learn to praise him. So as we continue on here, uh, not only did uh, we, we see that her, her humility when she talks about the handmaid of the Lord, and now she begins to sing. And here's what she said. Listen to the song that she sang, and I'm going to sing it this morning. I meant to tell Danny to stay so I could sing this. I'm just kidding. Some, I, Barbara's looking like, really? Uh, absolutely not, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Um, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You know, the title of the message that I'm trying to preach today is Mary Did Know. Mary Did Know. You know, there's the song, Mary Did You Know? Now, I don't know what all Mary knew, but I'm telling you, Mary knew a lot. And when you look in this passage, uh, I don't have to, I'm not going to take the time to go through it, but I'm telling you, we're, everything this woman is going back to what Moses wrote. What the prophets said in the Psalms. This teenage girl, her, her vocabulary is filled with Scripture. She speaks and Scripture comes out. That's how much she knows the Word of God. She understands the Word of God. Uh, parents, it, we live in a day where pe people set the expectations way too low for children. Right? Uh, as, as a matter of fact, did you know the Hebrews don't even have a word for adolescence? Because they, they believe that, that you go from being a child and then you're trained to be and you go into a, to adulthood. Early America believed that. Uh, I mean, and man, here I am, I'm on a big time rabbit trail, but I'll get back here. Early America believed that. There's a reason why it was a very common thing for the forefathers of this country. It was very common for them to graduate uh, when they were teenagers. Young, when they'd be, it was common for them to graduate by the time they were 14 or 15. College. Not high school, college, by the time they were 14 or 15. And you say, oh, well, they were dumb back then. They didn't have to know as much. I guess not. All they had to do to pass is to be able to uh, interpret the entire New Testament in Greek and then into Latin and then back into English again as one of the things they would have to do. Uh, as, as, again, not even old enough to drive yet. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But this, this girl, this girl, she knew the Word of God, and that's what we see magnified in, the, in these verses here. Verse number 48, she says this, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He, this song is all about him, amen. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever... Uh, verse 56, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her home. I just want to notice a couple things about what Mary knew. 
Number one, I want to talk about praise, about what Mary knew. But one thing she did know that I think is beneficial to us today, that we could all join in this song of praise today. Number one, we learn about the source, the genesis, if you will, of her faith, of her praise. I've said it already, but the Bible says this in Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Why did Mary have such faith? For an angel to appear to her and say, Hey, guess what, Mary? You are going to give birth to the promised Messiah, the Christ that's been promised for thousands of years. You're going to be the one that gives birth to him. Why was she so easy, easily to accept that? You want to know why? Because she knew the Lord and she knew the Word of God. The source of her faith was her knowledge of Scripture. The source of her, her faith was her deep understanding of Scripture. See, this is a great example that we can all follow. When you think about this, again, this song of Mary, uh, so much of what she says, again, alludes back to the Old Testament. Mary shows that she knew the Word of God. Not only did she know it as far as just memory, but she also could apply it. Because she goes on to talk about God's promise to Abraham being fulfilled. So she knew what the Bible said, and then she also knew how to interpret the Bible. Mary's worship stemmed from her knowledge of the Word of God. So we see the genesis of her song. It was faith. It was the Word of God. But the goal of her song, what did she say there in verse number uh, 46? And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Folks, the very first and key thing to understand about this is that Mary was worshiping and magnifying the Lord. He was the one that she was drawing attention to. If Mary could speak to us today, and hey, I believe Mary is speaking to us today, right? God gives us her words. You know what she would say? It's all about Him, amen? Uh, you know, about, about 300 years after this moment, uh, Things got mixed around and, and, and old pagan customs got adopted and all of a sudden they began to worship Mary as the queen of heaven. But that's something that, number one, God never intended or taught, but certainly Mary didn't teach that or want that either. She pointed to Jesus Christ, her Savior. Mary needed a Savior just as we needed a Savior. And after Jesus was born and she married Joseph and she had many more children after that, she taught them all to, uh, and pointed them toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's a, it's a wonder. But folks, the object of worship... And if you don't get anything else I say, because I want to make some points about worship before I close, but if you don't get anything else I say today, can you say along with Mary, my heart rejoices with God my Savior. That's what it's all about. I'm telling you, you could, you'll never find anything in this world. And some of, you know, some of you ought to be figuring this out by now. That's going to get the job done. Sin, the world, whatever, it promises a lot of things. But the real problem with mankind, the real thing that you're missing in your life is not a thing at all. It's a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an old illustration, I like this illustration, that they said that every human being has a missing piece on the inside. And said that, that, that missing piece is kind of like a puzzle piece. Anybody ever work puzzles? Sometimes I start saying something and I think there's a whole generation that don't know what I'm talking about. 
but like the jigsaw puzzles, you know. And when you're trying to work a puzzle, I don't know about, I don't like working puzzles because I'm not generally that patient. I like, I like, you know, the 50 pieces ones I can do pretty good maybe or 25 that come out to like Mickey Mouse or something. But the, 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 but the other ones I get frustrated with and I'm just like, you know, trying to pound something in that don't, that's got to be the right piece. But it don't fit because those puzzle pieces, they're meant to fit just, just so, just perfectly. And I'm telling you, people all around us are trying to jam stuff into that piece, that missing piece, and I'm telling you, it'll never do the job. Because there's only one, only one thing that will fit that what you're missing in your life, and it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the one who created you, the one who made you, is also, remember I said God was a planner? It's no accident that you're here today. If you don't know Christ, it's no accident that you're hearing this message today. You want, to, you want to know something? Jesus did all of this so that He could come and feel that peace for you because He loves you. He loves you. You're not going to find it in acceptance from others. You're going to, you're going to find it by accepting Him. Mary rejoiced in God her Savior. If you want to be able to sing today, if you want to be like Mary, and again, the, the picture of this, of this praise is just a, a bursting forth of joy. If you want to find out about true joy and peace. Now listen, Mary knew what it was to have hard times, but she knew what it was to have the joy and the peace of the Lord. Listen, number one, make sure you know Jesus today. I'll never forget the day. Hey, I was like everybody else, I guess. I was trying to jam things into that missing part, and that missing piece of my life. None of it worked. Now, it seemed like it worked for a little bit, but ultimately it didn't work. It didn't work. How many of you know what it's like to start losing hope? How many of you know what it's like to start wondering if it's even worth it? I mean, that, that, maybe, that maybe other people have found something in this life, but you have no hope of finding anything in this life because you feel like you've tried everything. And I've had people tell me, oh, I've tried religion. And I, you know what I say about that? Well, I apologize. Because religion doesn't fit that piece either. Jesus does. The grace of God does, amen? And I, th I thank God for the day that, that in, in, in humble faith I called out to Christ and, and I, rec I received the gift of salvation. And He filled that missing piece in my life. And now today I can praise Him. So if you haven't accepted that missing piece, I ask you, would you like to do that today? Would you like to know what it is to, 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 to have that empty space filled? It's simple. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but then it goes on to say, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Listen to this. And it says, whosoever, that means you, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you willing today to turn away from your sin, turn away from that which you're, which you're going for that's just leading you to destruction, and being willing to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you and I want you to be my Lord and my Savior? Lord, please come into my heart and my life. I receive the gift of salvation. If you could pray that prayer today, He would save you. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that before we dismiss. But I just want to let you know today that that's what Jesus wants for your life. That's what you need for your life. I, that's what I found. And I'm telling you, there's some others in here too that have also found that Jesus is what you need. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing. I, I want to give you just a couple, couple points here in this message, and then we'll go open up any unopened presents. Maybe eat. And the kids are like, we got more? Uh, no, I'm not saying you got more if you've already opened them all. But, 
Uh, but, but I just want to notice a couple things here about worship, okay? True worship. Number one, it starts with knowing Christ as Savior. But number two, there's a couple other things that we notice. First, worship is internal and not superficial. Jesus said, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Verses 46 and 47, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. I mean, listen, true worship is not superficial. It's internal. It involves the mind, the emotion, the spirit, the will. Like the instruments in a great orchestra, all of Mary's thoughts and emotions came together in a, in a crescendo of praise. True worship, number one, is internal. Number two, true worship is intense. Exalt, she says, my soul doth exalt. Um, or she goes on to say, when she, when she talks about exalting, that means to make great, to magnify. How about this? To celebrate. To celebrate. So we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ. But as we're going to see in just a moment, it's not just one time a year. When, when, when the Bible says that she rejoiced, her, her soul rejoices, that's an intense word. It's an expression of supreme joy. Her worship is spontaneous. It's not staged, but it's heartfelt. It's not artificial, but it's God-centered, not self-centered. It's mental, not just emotional. Mary praised God not only for what He was doing in her life, but I like this. She was praising Him for what He was going to do in other people's life. But it was intense. It was internal. And again, it was just like, man, praise God. That's what she's doing right here. My soul doth magnify the Lord. That's a beautiful picture. But not only is true worship internal and intense, but it's also consistent. When she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, and as she goes down to read and explain her, her, her joy, it suggests that her worship is consistent. It's continuous in Mary's life. In other words, here's the great thing about, just, about knowing Jesus. It's not just a one-time thing. I mean, now getting saved, that happens once. But then it's a relationship, and we build, and we grow closer to Him, and, and, and we decrease, and He increases in our lives. And it's a process of growth all along the way. But, but the idea is, I'm glad that, listen, I, I, I like what the old song says, He walks with me, He talks with me, He tells me I am His own. Guess what? When I wake up in the morning, He's going to be there with me. When I go through a deep, dark valley, He's going to be there with me. In the times when I'm up, he's there. In the times when I'm down, he's there. Blake, when I'm at my best, he's there. When, at my, when I'm at my very worst, he's there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake thee. So we might as well praise him and worship him, amen. Because it, it, it's, we, we see her consistency. Her, it, it, it talks about she's a, in a consistent attitude of praise. Lastly, her humility. True faith, true worship is marked by humility. Now, there's two great hindrances to worship. One is ignorance. One of the reasons we teach and preach the Word of God is because just like Mary, the more you know, the more you can worship Him. One is worship is a great, or ignorance is a great hindrance to worship. The second thing is uh, ig ignorance is one, pride is the other. 
Ignorance makes worship feeble and ineffectual. Pride renders our worship hypocritical. Those with shallow, superficial knowledge of God can't worship God, worship Him to the fullest sense because they do not grasp His greatness. But think about this. The proud cannot truly worship Him at all because in reality, pride is worship of self. James 4, 6 says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Proud people find it difficult to be thankful because they always think they deserve better. They always think they deserve more. Listen, proud people remember the wrongs, real or imagined, that have been done to them and seek revenge. Constantly mulling over their alleged mistreatment fills them with a spirit of bitterness, which is incompatible with true worship. On the other hand, the humble know they deserve nothing. They recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. They mourn over their sin. They hunger and thirst for righteousness from God, knowing that they have none of their own. They have a profound sense of gratitude toward the love of God, which results in worship. So three marks of genuine worship today. Number one, it starts obviously with knowing Him. Number two, it is internal, it is intense, it is consistent, and it is humble. It is a humble form of worship. And as we close out today, I hope today that we can join in worshiping and praising Mary. And I'd ask Danny if he would to come and play softly on the piano before we dismiss. I closed in talking about the humility part of worship. God gives an interesting picture. God... God, you know, God gives His Word and His revelation oftentimes in story form and in picture form to help us better understand it. And one of the things the Lord warns against, one of the pictures of pride that He gives is being stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. Now that's not for those of you that slept wrong last night and have a stiff neck. It's a picture... You know, we, we, have, we have people in the church that do rodeo and, and break horses and do different things like that. When you're trying to lead a horse around, if that horse isn't broken and you're trying to lead that horse, that horse will get a stiff neck. It'll just pull that way while the owner is gently trying to lead it this way. That's pride. Now this comes back to where I was talking about trusting Christ as Savior. I want you to think about this for a moment. I don't know the events that led you to this moment in your life. But I can tell you that despite and maybe even in, because of many of the things that have led you to where you are right now, you're in this place today so you can hear His message of grace. And what He's trying to do is to gently lead you. Sometimes people say, wow, preacher, it feels like you're preaching right to me. You know I don't have that ability. I don't have the ability to speak to people's hearts. The word, only the Word of God and the Spirit of God do that. So today, God, I'm going to say that again, God, the Creator, is speaking to your heart. He's gently trying to lead you. He will not force you. But will you submit like Mary humbly said, Here I am, Lord. Will you say, Okay, Lord, I'm letting go. I will let you lead me. He wants to lead you to salvation today. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in a moment of prayer.
I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss, but right before we do, and as I pray, I want to give you the opportunity right now. Ryan started off by, what, what do you want for Christmas and what's your favorite gift and all of that? I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given, the greatest gift you could ever receive, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you be willing right there where you are as we bow our heads and close our eyes together? Would you be willing right now to humble your heart and to pray these words along with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that you died and rose again for me to pay for my sins. I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. But Lord Jesus, right now, I invite you into my heart and my life, not only to be my Savior, but to be my Lord. I turn to you today. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Because did you know that if you could pray those words from your heart today, if you could pray those words from your heart, you don't need a sign, you don't need a feeling, but it's that simple to receive the remission of sins. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, and trust, God, that someone today truly called on you from their hearts. God, that young person, God, that just knows deep down they're missing something. God, maybe that older person that feels like they've tried just about everything. And yeah, maybe they've tried religion, but we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with you, Lord. We're not talking about do, we're talking about what's already been done. Help us as your people. Help us, help Elk Point Baptist Church to be a place of praise and worship. God, help us to be a people of internal worship. God, that we worship you in spirit and in truth, not superficially. God, help our worship to be intense, Lord. Help us to exalt the Lord and magnify you. God, help our worship to be consistent, Lord, to where we're not just exalting you today, we'll be exalting you this time tomorrow morning. God, help us to be humble in our walk with you and help us to shine as a light and rejoice in your, what you've done for us and what you're going to do for us, Lord. We'll thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you accepted Christ today, I'd love to hear about it. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear about that and be able to rejoice with you today. So please be willing to share that with me. And uh, 